Welcome to 45 Forward, the beginning of the rest of your life. Each week, host Ron Ruel and his guests discuss topics of interest to many listeners in their 40s and beyond, including retirement, caring for aging parents, health, lifestyle, and more. It's time to think ahead to the next half of your life, and we'll help you plan it with ease. Now, here is Ron Roel. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of 45 Forward, where our mission is to help our listeners from Los Angeles to Long Island make your second half of life even better than the first. Now, in today's episode, I'm celebrating my one-year anniversary in launching the show last January, and I've decided to do my show, Just You and Me, My Listeners, and review the highlights of this year, the lessons I've learned, sharing some of my hopes for engaging shows in the future. Uh, and uh, basically just talking with you about what this year has been like and what a year it has been. Now, before I talk about the show in general, uh, I just wanted to spend a few minutes honoring the legacy of Martin Luther King, since today, of course, is MLK Day. And I'm sure you've actually uh, been to programs, or many of you have been to programs yesterday and today, as I have, honoring uh, Dr. King. Um, and I was thinking about you know his legacy and just uh, what lessons I learned um, not only about just the his contributions to racial and social justice and economic justice, um, but what really struck me about him um, for me personally too is just the amazing amount of effort that he put through over the years, the the perseverance, the work, the hard work, the sacrifice, the discomfort, um, and the risk, um, and um, you know, I was I was reading over one of uh, an excerpt from one of his letters, the one he wrote, his famous letter from jail in 1963. Um, and uh, what struck me was, you know, his feeling of just real discomfort that he had to write this letter to explain himself, to explain his his approach to nonviolent um, protest, but that protest he must, and even you know, in, in the face of criticism from a lot of people who supported him, but didn't want to speak up. But speak up, he, he said, you must, that the issue was silence and silence was not acceptable. Uh, but it was at great risk as we know. Uh, but I, you know, I appreciate that, that all the things he had to do to accomplish what he did and the tremendous amount of work and persistence it took over the course of his lifetime. Um, you know, and I was thinking about that in terms of, you know, the subjects I call, um, talk about, which is, you know, aging over the course of life and, and what that takes. And, um, you know, one of the, the sayings, you know, I, everyone knows is, uh, you know, the Betty Davis saying, you know, aging, aging ain't for sissies, you know. And as I think about that, it's like, well, you know, it's not for for, you know, for uh, old age, but it's not for young age or middle age either. It's essentially because the point is really that uh, change ain't for sissies. That's the difficulty in life is confronting change and adapting to change uh, all the way through our lives, because that is the condition of life. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, in order to accomplish what we, we do, I, I also think of it just a, I used to have next to my desk, this is actually just a you know, a, a label on a tea bag. And it just said, the oyster caused the, the, the pearl caused the oyster great pain. 
And I, <laughs> I try to remember that, you know, when I go through difficulties, that this is part of life. So let's, let me just now shift to the show and, and talk about change in a broader sense. And uh, first go back to a little bit of uh, the premise of the show and just talk with that about you, about uh, that with you. Um, and as you know, my, my basic premise came out of my uh, uh, work with the Act Two section at Newsday, in which I basically uh, edited a section that was about, you know, helping people 50 plus through the second half of life. And uh, my, my sense was that, um, we, yes, we, we were living longer and healthier lives and more uh, dynamic lives, more active lives. But once we reached that 50-yard uh, line, there was really no roadmap. Life before that was pretty structured. But after that, we had a lot of years that were hopefully very productive, but we had no particular roadmap. So my goal was to provide guidance for people, not prescriptions, but guidance, advice, examples, of exemplary lives over the course of a lifetime uh, to, to help people, you know, live this life in the fullest way. So one of the first things I, I learned about, or I considered over the course of this time um, and, and explored in many ways is what does it mean to be old or older? And that of course is a, is a difficult thing for us baby boomers, you know, because of course we don't think we're old, we're not seniors. Um, we struggle with, you know, what's the, what's the word, what, what's the acceptable word, you know, and, and, uh, we go through these, uh, you know, machinations of, you know, you know, um, 50 is the new 40, you know, 60 is the new 50. Um, once you start hitting 16, 70, things start to get real and it's like, okay, now we're paying attention to these numbers and whether this is true or not in terms of the, the feeling of, of you're, you're younger than, than your chronological age of, your, of the previous generations. Um, it, it is an issue that we really need to think about. And I just think about in terms of just being, you know, it's not, you're just older. At every stage of life, you know, people say, what's, what's the word we use? I just say older Americans, older Americans. You know, there's the young olders, there's the oldest old, um, uh, the age, those 85 plus. And I think that, uh, you know, one of my colleagues, um, uh, Ken Taub, who I had on the show earlier this year, uh, he and I were, were, were trying to grappling with, you know, what, what, what do we call this term of active older people? And we came up with the olders, you know, the young olders. Um, and certainly that's fine. Uh, but I think the, the real issue is to accept the fact that aging is part of life. And it's not as if we're young and then we're old, you know, life proceeds through various chapters and it's the, the goal is to really think about how to progress through these chapters. Um, you know, and, and, and they're, they're not strictly chronological, you know, they, they overlap in many ways between young and old and you go back and forth in your mind. And it's an interesting phenomenon. You know, I, I was the other day I was thinking about, um, an old friend of mine who unfortunately passed away a couple of years ago. Um, one of my, my, my friends, I have several friends uh, by the name of Jim. This is California Jim. And, and he was a good close friend. And I, years ago in the seventies, I visited with him and he and I just took a day and we went to a spa. 
And at the spa, there was a, an interesting uh, routine of hot and cold baths. Now, I know that um, you know hot baths are, are supposed to be salutary, and there's been a lot of uh, 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 discussion about both hot and cold baths being especially good for your circulation, for your health, and so forth. And this has become sort of a phenomenon. So this was a long time ago, but we went and it was a you know a, a hot bath, and then right next to it, you went into a cold, very cold bath. And I remember doing this, and, and they, he said to me, well, now let's watch this, what's going to happen. After a while, you're not going to know which is which. You're really not. You're not going to know if you're in a cold water or in hot water. And I was like, well, I don't think that's going to happen. Well, in fact, it did happen. It was an interesting phenomenon that you, I really couldn't tell it was, it was hot or cold. And to me, that was a fun, kind of an interesting metaphor for a lot of the way I felt about life, where you go forward chronologically, but sometimes you're, you're back in time. Your mind takes you back there. So aging, it goes back and forth between hot and cold and between present and past and future. And sometimes you can't tell the difference. Your brain basically, you know, amalgamates all this into the experience of your life. So, you know, I think about you know, aging that way, not to think about it in terms of, you know, year by year chronology, but a, a way of your life proceeding back and forth. Um, surely you're getting older. But in many ways, you know, you, you, you feel the experiences of your younger years and even your younger years, you anticipate your older years. So I think that that's, that's the way I think about aging. That's what I've kind of learned in this process, that, um, uh, that, that, that aging is a complex process of, of going back and forth in time. So next thing I thought about, and one of the things that I've, I've covered a lot uh, over the course of the year um, is the issue, whole issue of retirement. Um, I actually have, um, if you go to my Rowell Resources website, you can take what I call my retirementality quiz. Um, and it's not, the thing is also that, um, you know, retirement has changed because we have this chunk of life. You know, we don't think about just, okay, I'm going to work for a company for 30 years and retire. Nothing wrong with that. Some people still do that. And, uh, but, but how do we want to live a retirement after that? And so you need to think about things. The, the thing that people refer to most often are financial planning, estate planning, which is certainly part of it, but that's only part of it. So if you look at my retirement mentality quiz, if you go on roelresources.com and, and click on the retirement mentality quiz. So they're basically, I, I, I list 25 steps. To, for you to look at, just to sort of, it's a checklist. Have you looked at these things? And there are five different categories, financial legal planning, health and exercise, home and community, social and cognitive engagement. And, and what is this about? It's basically recognizing that in order to plan these parts of your life, you need to think about all these uh, in conjunction with each other. You know, there are a basket of issues that you need to balance and, you know, different aspects of it require different attention. And for each person, you may require, you may value certain things more than others. But there are things for you to think about so you, so you don't really miss them. And you can have a more holistic way to plan your, your later years, you know, whatever that, that retirement means to you. 
Um, so part of retirement is planning. So there is planning, there is preparation, but another one of my aphorisms I found over talking with a lot of people over the course of the year was, you know, plan, but don't predict or prepare, but don't predict. Um, so we've had, I've had good shows with elder law attorneys uh, like Ron Fatula and, and Brian Tully uh, with a Medicare and social uh, security expert, Mark Miller. And you can find all these if you go to my 45 forward um, uh, show page on, on voiceamerica.com. And you can click the archive section, the episode directory on the right, and you can find any of these shows. They're all podcasts, and you can find them on my Rowell Resources um, uh, website as well. Um, but basically, you know, what I found is, is why, why I have this aphorism is that um, I've learned that we can plan, we plan the best we can, but we can't really predict. Um, and, you know, we're, uh, we are really not very good prognosticators of the future. What I, what I often uh, think about is the fact that we're, we're good at predicting the past. In other words, we can predict the future based upon what's happened, what things that have happened in the past that are similar to what we expect. But there's so many things that come up that we can't you know, plan for, we don't know about, so many interventions in life, so many technological uh, advancements and more advances in health or, or personal circumstances that change unexpectedly that we really can't, you know, um, our, our, our capacity to predict is, is really, <laughs> is really minimal. So relax, you know, plan the best you can. And then um, don't, don't worry about, um, you know, uh, the, uh, the issue of, of, of things that, that need, to, need to change. Um, one of the things that, one of the ways that I, I like to think about planning, and I've told the story before, um, and, uh, it's about a story with my older brother, Larry, um, who, uh, um, it's called what I call, call the swimming to swimming to the raft. And this is a story about one summer when he and I were at a beach and there was a raft out in the water. And, uh, he looked at me and he said, I think we could swim underwater to that raft. And I said, well, I, maybe. So I took a shot at it and I swam and swam and swam. And, and I, I came up about five or six feet short. And then he did it and he made it. Uh, and I said, well, how did you do that? He said, well, I just sort of figured out how many, uh, how, how many strokes it would take to get there. Um, and so uh, I did that, and and that's you know I, I measured. I mean, say it was twenty five strokes, and and when he so but by able to measure it, he was able to make it. So I said, well, that's interesting. So if, you know you have to have a plan to get someplace. Um, uh, and one of the things though that I learned recently after recounting the story to him, and he 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 sort of smiled and said, you know that that happened, and. You know, he added an interesting dimension to the story, which is that the way he learned to do this was that he, like I, you know, in, in high school, um, played water polo in gym. And, uh, you know, we could swim okay, but, you know, you were basically victimized by the really uh, good swimmers and water polo players, and they would dunk you. And it was very uncomfortable. And so my brother, Larry, decided, 
that he didn't, you know, he knew that he could last underwater, um, but he didn't know how, how long he could last. So he started timing himself um, and he figured out how much time he could spend underwater. And, and, and that relieved the fear and the anxiety over being underwater. And he used that um, experience to then start calculating how, he, how, how far he could swim underwater in the pool. So, you know, that's how, that's how he learned how to do this. And so it was really instructive for me to learn that a lot of things in life, um, the lessons, the positive lessons like planning come from adversity. And adversity is a good teacher and a useful teacher. And uh, that that's how we make, you know, take every lesson to move forward. So um, uh, we're, I'm going to talk about one more uh, aspect of, of planning, but we're going to, you know, and then we're, I'm going to talk about a number of other things, basically focusing uh, after the first break, uh, we're going to be talking with the first guest of my show, my first show last year, Kathleen Adi. So that should be, uh, I'm looking forward to talking with Kathleen again. Um, so uh, I, I, folks, uh, I don't want you to go away. I have much more to talk about you and me with Kathleen in the next segment. Um, so uh, uh, come back after the break and we'll continue with 45 Forward, my first anniversary show. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you fully connected? We're all online in more ways than we can imagine. Our business, our family, our health, and our money are all part of the cyber-connected world, and it's getting more frightening every day. On My Connected Life, host Tyler Cohen-Wood takes you into the exciting world of cyber and shows you what you need to know right now to keep your cyber-connected life safe and your data within your control. Get all the information, the news you need to know, and a lot of fun and surprises. Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Planning for college? Tune in to Getting In, a college coach conversation for tips, techniques, and insider perspectives. Hosted by Elizabeth Heaton, a former admissions officer at the University of Pennsylvania, and featuring her fellow admissions and college finance experts from Bright Horizons College Coach. The show shares what colleges are really looking for and how to highlight your hard-won achievements for the best chance of success. New episodes air every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com
You're listening to 45 Forward. To reach Ron Roel or his guest on the program, please send an email to ron.roel at gmail.com. That's ron.roel at gmail.com. Now back to 45 Forward. Welcome back, folks, to 45 Forward. Uh, we're on the line now with uh, Kathleen Adi, the guest from my very first show last year. So I brought her back for a, a you know an encore performance for me with me, and I'm just delighted to have her. Um, so Kathleen, welcome to the show. Oh, Ron, thank you so much. It was such an honor to be your first guest, and I'm so proud to be here 12 months later so we can celebrate all over again. Thank you for having me. You're quite welcome. So Kathleen has served in many capacities in in federal and state governments and uh, developing lots of programs uh, and managing programs to support seniors. So uh, in our first show, we talked a lot about um, the importance of, of, you know, connection, especially connection to community. Um, and so this was a, a year ago. The pandemic was in a different stage. Uh, you know, I don't even know what stage we're in now. Where, where it's a complicated, it's a complicated pandemic, and and so I, I just wanted to ask you, I think, what where, where do you think we are in terms of dealing with issues of social isolation and connection these days? Have we made some progress? You know, Ron, I think we actually have made progress. And probably, as you made mention in your last segment, you know, one of the things is we learn from adversity. And this particular pandemic has really taught us so much. But so many of our older adults, people who enjoy interacting with others and go to senior centers or have various needs, such as the need for a, a hot meal delivered to their home, you know, I think, again, we've, we've really learned as, um, as the aging network to be able to deliver those services to people. But I think people also celebrate the fact that there's great people out there that are volunteering to make this happen. And in the last 12 months, that's what we've seen, a huge volunteer effort to really serve older adults, especially those who are vulnerable or uh, perhaps even homebound. But, um, uh, you know, today, of course, is Martin Luther King Day, and we celebrate service. And I think uh, what has continued through the last 12 months is really that commitment from volunteers to make sure that people stay active in their community and they give of themselves uh, to be of service. So we've made a lot of progress, uh, but of course the challenge is the continuing of it and how long this will continue. Um, who knows? Uh, we're still kind of in that cycle right now of, of um, you know, still wearing our masks. Uh, many of the centers are, are uh, limiting the number of people who are attending. Some have not even opened uh, or have closed, but uh, there's lessons learned all the way around. And, and again, I just think that commitment to community has been witnessed in the last 12 months. And as challenging as it is to keep going on in this way, I think we can do it. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that, um, so there, there are a couple of things that uh, underline in, in my mind, um, which is just that, that um, you know, for, for better or worse, I mean, hopefully for better, uh, the pandemic, which really drove us into social isolation has really um, uh, exemplified how important connections are, you know, and, and it, it's been sad, you know, especially with, with seniors in nursing homes and, and other kinds of yeah. adult facilities that they were, you, people weren't able to see them. And there were, there were lots of missteps and there are lots of things that need to be correct. But I think it really, it really did emphasize, you know, how we are connected as a society and the importance of, of doing so. Um, on multiple generations, you know what I mean? 
Absolutely. And I think, again, one of those things when we look back and say, wow, we've really come a long way. I know our technology has changed um, and continues to change, of course, in every year. But Mm -hmm. we have so many more older adults that really utilize technology to be able to stay in touch with people and family members. Uh, Before the pandemic, there probably weren't a lot of people that stayed connected to their grandchildren or, or their loved ones, you know, using FaceTime and so forth. But now it's commonplace. And, you know, I think again, we get so comfortable with the status quo, we forget how far we have come. But even some of the senior centers and their programming, they have really learned how to do Zoom and uh, they can have breakout sessions and, you know, do different trainings for people and older adults can go with it. They they know and understand how to use the technology. So I think that has helped immensely. And again, here we are a year later from when you and I spoke. And again, I think our older adults, uh, people 55 plus, or in this instance, maybe 45 and going forward, I no. think, again, people feel much more comfortable, you know, recognizing that the commitment to community is important and uh, to really challenge themselves to take part whenever they can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had a a wonderful experience uh, in my family um, in December. December 22nd was uh, uh, my aunt's uh, 100th birthday. And, uh, you know, she's living in Westchester in a continuing care community with one of her daughters. Uh, And we had a, a, a screen of of family members um, f- from everywhere. You know, one of her sons was in Edinburgh, Scotland. Others mm-hmm. uh, sp- spread around this country. I'm here on Long Island, of course. I had a brother in, in South Carolina, a cousin in New Jersey, uh, people on the West Coast. And so I think that, you know, it, there really has been, uh, you know, a real value to technology, even though <laughs> I think there are many instances where we say we're zoomed out. Yeah, I, I get yeah. that. <laughs> but but, Absolutely. The, but, the, but the flip side is that we have the opportunity to do this. And uh, yeah. the other thing is that I, you know, that that people are recognizing that when people need help, as you mentioned, there are people to help. So one of my guests right. early in the year was a woman named Wendy Weiss. Uh, who runs a company called Tech Diamond? She used to be on Wall Street, and then she she changed careers and realized that there was a real need to teach people, especially older folks, how to use technology, and that's what she does. Absolutely, and I think that's important because one of the things that that when we take a look back and see how far we've come, we've found mentors. And mentors don't have to be a certain age. They can be anyone that you rely upon and you respect to kind of help train and teach. And I think it's applicable to technology, talking about how mentors can help us learn and challenge ourselves to to stay current. But I think as you were speaking, um, as we spoke a year ago, and then certainly in your last segment, about how keeping things fresh and staying engaged with community, being very proactive in things that you know that you need to do, and really recognizing mentors who throughout this pandemic have really encouraged us to go forward. And and I guess what I'm reminded of again today, because it's the 17th of January, is Betty White. And how I feel she gave the face of um, older adults, um, uh, people in the older, old category of close to 100, how she really inspired people to keep that spirit within them so that they're giving back uh, to their families, that they're encouraging themselves and challenging themselves to reach new goals and uh, take part in things that they haven't done. And then to enjoy life, you know, to plan, uh, but to enjoy life to the fullest extent. So all of these mentors that we found 
and people that we want to emulate as we grow older, uh, because as I think I shared with you in our, our former segment that um, we're all seniors in training, and right. one of the things that we need to do <laughs> is to really recognize those wonderful things that others do that might inspire us to be the best we can be. Correct, correct. Very, I totally agree. Um, you know, one, one of the other things that we talked about a lot was, was just this notion of what community is. And I think right. that this is, uh, you know, a, an evolving thing. And I, I think that um, um, what, you know, one of the things, uh, one of the stories I remember you told was of, about your, your grandmother preparing two meals for people yes. in her community. You know, so she was, you, you grew up in Kansas and this was a small place yes. in Kansas. And, and I think that that's, so the recognition, as you were saying before about volunteers, I think is important, but that, that our community, uh, I look at the community of support that we can put together really, um, I look at it sort of as a three-legged stool. I mean, they're, they're government services, you know, official government services. Um, there are nonprofit services. Uh, and there are uh, private services, business, you know, services, and community services that that are part of, um, you know, nonprofit and other, um, you know, organizations. And I think that all of these things are really necessary to support us all as we get older. And I think, you know, so this they all make up part of the community. But I think that, you know, we're sort of struggling with, um, um, I think, right now, deciding what what function the government plays in our community. But I think we're, we're yeah. fighting ourselves sometimes just recognizing it has a role. It's not the entire role, but this is what makes up the total support system. And how do we, how do we manage that? How do we coordinate it and work together on this? I totally agree. And I think part of that is sharing information. And when you are operating in a community, and again, the community could be your neighborhood, it could be your your community at large, it could be resources in the community. And as you made mention, it could be government, uh, nonprofits, and private sector as well. But being able to share information, and I'll, and I'll kind of go into a little bit of that. I mm -hmm. think one of the things that we know, and you reference nursing facilities, is our ombudsman program that take part in nursing facilities. They, too, are a valuable partner uh, to help and receive support for people who are in nursing facilities. They are there as an advocate for the residents there, and many of these ombudsmen are volunteers. So that's mm -hmm. just, again, it's a government program uh, initiated uh, under the Older Americans Act. Uh, they exist in nursing facilities, and they're there to serve as an advocate for residents. But they really do ensure that that particular resident's sense of community is um, uh, is aware of their needs, and they, they actually fight on their behalf to uh, make things as normal as possible in the life uh, of a nursing home resident. So that's a great example of how government uh, can work together with the private sector and nonprofit sector uh, on behalf of a, of a resident or of an older person. And I, I just agree with you so, so much that, you know, taking – all of these resources together and sharing where people can get information is just so critical and vital because while one service may not totally serve someone, it might be a part of what someone needs. And I think, again, if our communities, and again, our communities at large, our neighborhoods, our, our cities and towns, and even our states, if we don't share information, and that includes some of the challenges as well as some of the um, very successful objectives, 
we really don't grow. And I think that's where we get value, especially during a pandemic. We grow from adverse conditions and we celebrate those success of what community can do uh, when faced with such critical challenges. Yeah, one of the things I think I remember you mentioning was just, you know, your approach I liked a lot, which was about, you know, offering resources, but uh, promoting a person-centered approach, basically right. giving people, you know, an active say in, in how to age and in what ways to age. Right. And I think this this is sort of our, you know, our complicated American DNA of, of balancing freedom with um, fairness and, and equal opportunity and justice. Um, and I think that there, there, there are ways to do this, you know, and, and I think that, you know, so to, to recognize the, the, the role of government, but also recognize that the flexibility that, that other resources, including, including what you've just said, you know, communities, you know, stepping up and volunteering, you know, when, when you need to do that. I mean, you can't, right. you know, there are just circumstances that are extraordinary and people, you know, need need to find those resources. And sometimes, you know, one of the, the organizations I've had on um, is uh, the National Aging in Place Council. Um, yeah. I've had local members involved and I've had the national leadership involved. And these are experts that um, deal with uh, helping people um, age in place. It's a very interesting <laughs> network of, of folks um, there. And, you know, so th- it's, it's, as you point out, being able to bring resources to people, you know, in a timely manner when they need it. That's the challenge for us, I think. I think it totally is. And you referenced that. I do remember going with my grandmother to make sure that her two elderly neighbors uh, received their meals. And again, with, with many more women in the workplace these days, some of that can be challenging, but it can be done. And it is done each and every day. And uh, again, I just think it's so valuable because aging in place is where people want to be. And as I believe I probably mentioned in the previous broadcast, certainly nur- nursing facilities can become a community as well. But for most people, they want to remain in their homes, and it's great to have the services, the people, the volunteers, and that friendly face to really make everything come together so people can live where they want to uh, and their, their dignity is preserved. And I think that's so vital as we grow older. Yeah, I, I think so. You know, there, 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 obviously there are nursing facilities. There are also assisted living facilities of, of all That's sorts right. of types and other adult homes. These are also communities. And I think the issue is uh, how do you give people information so they can make choices with their families? Um, and I think that's that. That's one of the things, you know, can you stir that conversation? And I guess the, the last thing I wanted to do, our, our segment went quickly, Kathleen, but uh, in the couple of minutes we have left, uh, it just underlined, you know, the, the interdependence we have between um, different segments of our population and our generations. And I think that that's something that we're also coming to realize. Um, you know, you, you've, in, in terms of the programs you support, you often deal with, you know, multiple generations in these programs. And I think that's really a key is understanding that, that there is freedom of choice, there's individuality, but that we are inherently interdependent on each other, right? Absolutely. 
Absolutely right. And and again, I, I appreciate you even bringing that forward because I think, again, that's so very, very important. And it does circle right back to being a good mentor, you know, looking at people who are demonstrating and living that active lifestyle, um, going forward and enjoying life and and really making the second half of their life so much stronger. That's really what we have to, to focus on. And our our generations can help us get there, but we need to share and we need to be open and we need to understand how important it is for us to have interdependence and dependence as we grow older with support when necessary. Right, right. Yeah, and I think we're, you know, support when necessary and also recognizing that there is a tremendous contribution for people who are older. Um, yes, absolutely. many of us are, are healthier. The yeah, the, you're absolutely the, right. Yeah, the, the value as we get older in terms of knowledge, experience, and support, and, and not to mention that, as, as a lot of us aren't retiring, there's a financial contribution that we continue to provide society, not just, you know, we're, we're givers, not just takers. So I think that's, that's important exactly to recognize. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, and I, I think so much of um, the news has been showing and demonstrating that of late, which makes me very proud because older Americans give back not only of their time, but as you said, economically as well as, um, you know, with their wisdom and education that they have to share. So it's it's really very beneficial to be able to grow old and to appreciate growing older as well amongst the generations. Right, right. Well, our segment has just whizzed by, Kathleen. Um, so I'm going to have to have you back for another show, uh, you know, soon. But I really appreciate I you coming back. I was I was honored and that you, and and grateful that you had the time uh, to squeeze in today for at least one segment of our show. And uh, uh, I, I I wish you all the best. I thank you for your continued wisdom, uh, and uh, uh, I wish you uh, a good rest of the day. Well, thank you, Ron, and congratulations on your one-year anniversary to 45 Forward and also Voice America. We're really, really glad to take part, and, and I wish you well. Well, thanks very much. Okay, folks, well, um, you know, we, we've, I've just uh, finished with Kathleen. I'm going to let her go and get on with her day, but don't go, don't go away from yourselves. Uh, we have one more segment to go, and I've got lots more to say for, uh, on your behalf. So uh, don't go away. I'll be right back. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Tune in to Melody Edmondson's The Space of the Waste radio program. This companion piece to her successful guidebook series, The Space of the Waste, focuses on body types and how to make your waist length flattering no matter what your body type is. Guests include designers, merchandise managers, factory owners, and more. You'll also find out what accessories will complement your body shape and waist length. Tune in every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Variety. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, 
self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Tune in every Friday to get your weekend kickoff early. Join the legendary G. Keith Alexander for What's Hot Harlem America. The flagship show of the new Harlem America Digital Network has something for everyone. From the latest in entertainment to empowerment, health and wellness, and more, we'll bring you a variety of fresh viewpoints, voices, and ideas. What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander can be heard every Friday at 1 p.m. in New York and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to 45 Forward. To reach Ron Roel or his guest on the program, please send an email to ron.roel at gmail.com. That's ron.roel at gmail.com. Now back to 45 Forward. Welcome back, folks, to my one-year anniversary show. Uh, I've been talking about the various lessons I've learned, the many fascinating people I've met on the show. Uh, we just finished a segment, a call-in from Kathleen Adi, uh, who was the guest of my first show last year. So I was really gratified to have her back and to, and to reconnect with her. Um, in this segment, I wanted to talk about a few other things that really I've I, I thought a lot about this year and, and learned a lot from my guests. Um, one of them um, has to be uh, how do we uh, deal with change and obstacles in our life, you know, hardships. And my guest last week, uh, John Leland, had some, was a great guest. He had uh, he's the author of uh, Happiness is, is a Choice You Make. Uh, which is based on, as a New York, he's a New York Times reporter, is based upon his um, um, uh, spending a year with um, six people over the age of 85 and learning what it was their lives were like and how they dealt with things. So a lot of them, as you might expect, were dealing with lots of hardships and obstacles. And, you know, so it, it gave me a lot of thoughts about, well, how do we deal with obstacles? And of course, uh, one of the w- ways is to change your expectations. Uh, and, and sort of the two the two phrases that I compared are uh, dealing with things uh, in spite of versus if only. So the notion that uh, that that obstacles and hardships are just part of life, and you can be happy and satisfied and fulfilled along with these obstacles and hardships. Um, not to say, well, I would be happy or feel better if only these things weren't there. Well, they will be there. Some things will always be there. So, you know, to, to accept them as, you know, that, that you can uh, live next to these issues and, and be gratified and, and uh, satisfied with life, um, just dealing with them. You know, one of, one of my other thoughts was about, you know, how do you deal with this? Well, you adjust, you know, adjust, adjust, adjust. You know, I, I think about, you know, um, you know, one of my guests was um, um, a, a woman uh, named Miyoko Chu from the um, Cornell Lab of Ornithology. So we talked about the natural world a lot. And to me, I, I sometimes when I said, well, what, what would nature do faced with these things? And, you know, nature adjusts, you know, the weather changes, birds and other animals, they adjust. 
Um, so we just need to, you know, uh, adjust our expectations of life is that this is what life is about. And, um, you know, to just find another way, you know, we, life is about constant change. And in fact, our society depends on constant change to move forward. I mean, let's face it, our consumer society, um, you know, depends upon changing fashions, changing interests, changing desires. So this is part of life. And, you know, in many ways, we just need to make adjustments and to, uh, again, uh, prepare but not predict. Um, I was at a, because um, inevitably you're going to have missteps and mistakes, and that's part of life as well. I was at a meeting, uh, you know, a couple months ago when the guy I was sitting next to, you know, he said, you know what, I, I, I tell my children, my grandchildren, I say, um, go out in life and make mistakes, make lots of mistakes. But as you move forward, make better mistakes. And I, th I thought that was a great way of putting it because, you know, that, that is how we move forward. We learn from our mistakes. And I think from my own experience, I tend to learn more from my mistakes than my successes. They tend to be more, have a more of an emotional uh, heft to them. And so, um, you know, I, th I think that that's important to, to embrace our mistakes. Um, uh, another one of my, my favorite expressions um, uh, came from a guy named uh, Victor Kayam. He was the, the chairman of, uh, this is many years ago, of, of Remington Shavers. He's a guy who did a, you know, his commercial was, I like, I like the, I like the company so much. I bought it. Um, and Kayam's uh, one of his uh, uh, favorite phrases was um, even when you fall flat on your face, you're still falling forward. And I think that that to me was a kind of a, you know, a, a, a compact way of saying, you know, that it's okay to fail and to move forward. So what are some of the other things I thought about doing the show? Well, a lot of it, the show was about, about fears, you know, as we age, you know, there, there's the natural fears of losing our health, but, um, uh, and, and I think that again, um, one of the things I learned in, in talking with John Leland, uh, his experience with older people is that, you know, people fear loss more than they feel gain so that, there is an, an aversion to loss, but it's an inevitable part of life. And, uh, and in many cases, um, you know, loss can be not just losing people, but losing things in your life, um, losing certain capabilities. But in the process of doing that, there are other opportunities open up. And I think in some ways, you know, letting go of losses and acknowledging them, acknowledging the pain, but also, you know, recognizing that it's freeing somewhat. And this is part of a conversation I had with um, um, a woman named Carol Wallman and Vicki Elmer, uh, the two, two people who were involved in, in programs for seniors for many years. Carol ran a senior center for, for many years. Um, and Vicki uh, is a patient advocate and has done a whole bunch of things. And they were talking about, you know, this... That in some cases, as you get older, you lose things, but you also have an opportunity to gain and 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 basically be freed uh, by you know by opportunities that you that you gain actually through the losses. I think that um, 
you know, one of the fears is that Vicky mentioned to me was, and I, I understand this, you know, as, as we go on in life, you, you, she mentioned a woman whose fear was being forgotten. You know, that's what she feared, that her life would be forgotten. And I think this isn't, you know, I think we want a life that matters. We want a life that has meaning. And, um, you know, one of my other guests, um, Susan Caperso, who was an end-of-life doula, but also she she's what she calls a legacy creator. And this was a very interesting, uh, you know, notion to me that that basically the, what, what she did with people is to find ways that, you know, as we get older in life, you know, and think about our legacy is to, as to write it down, prepare, you know, ways that, that we want to be remembered, you know, taking charge of our lives and uh, in, in, in how we want to be remembered, uh, not just doing estate planning, which of course is, you know, important, you know, doing, you know, doing all the advanced planning and their will and, and, and so forth is, is certainly part of the later part of life, but also, you know, making a choice about how you want, what contribution do, do you want people to know about you? What, what was important to you in your life? You know, what were the memories that, that you want to leave behind to your children and grandchildren? I think in, in many ways, those are the most interesting things that, you know, that, that, that are left with us, you know, and I think that too often, and myself included, I realize there's certain points where I'm like, gee, I wish I knew my dad thought about this or mom thought about this. And this is an opportunity as I go forward to think about this, you know, um, to, to create a legacy of our, mem our family memories and thoughts and, and ideas that we want to leave behind. So that was an important idea about how to, how to leave a legacy. Um, I think that, you know, another issue uh, was uh, brought about by a, a woman named Carol Merrick, uh, who uh, she's an expert in um, what she calls solo aging. I, I think this is, uh, you know, another issue. So, so fear of being alone as we get older. I think that's, you know, we, we do, we, we, unfortunately we lose family, we friend and friends, we, they move away, they pass away. And um, so Carol had some very interesting ideas about, um, you know, how we can adapt to this and, and recognizing that it's, it's not just um, older folks, um, you know, that about a third of our, our population um, is aging alone, you know, so it's not just a, the result of, you know, a spouse losing a husband or wife. Um, it's about, this is, this is part of our, our culture, you know, that's, that's, that's real. And so she has all sorts of ways to adapt and to think about this and, and to basically make a use of our resources and, and, and interdependence with other um, organizations and individuals. So the, and to basically find your support again and recognize that there are ways once again, to adjust. Um, I think that, that finally, um, one of the things that I, I, I really was uh, intrigued by um, is, you know, learning about the lives of so many interesting people who were works in place that, um, you know, they just, they, they left, they lived life fully, they continue to live life fully, um, and, and every stage of life is a different chapter. Nobody um, just lived a life and then retired to something else. 
I mean, I think of a, a good friend of mine, Patricia King, um, who was a, a terrific uh, corporate consultant, uh, who then who wanted who knew she wanted to be a novelist at the age of nine, and then she became one after a very successful career as a as a corporate consultant. She began a historical mystery writer at the age of sixty nine and a very successful one. You know, uh, another woman, Hillary Topper, who was a terrific PR and social media expert, became a triathlete in her 50s. Um, Lance Cheney, a friend of mine who took over his family's brush manufacturing business and found a way to blend it with his artistic passion of his youth, with creative ways to create these incredibly specialized brushes um, in a competitive, low-cost industry. And, and one of his brushes is now on the rover on Mars. Um, and Evelyn Kandel, who was one of the first women to join the Marines. Then she grew, she basically educated herself, became an art teacher, and now in her late 80s is a distinguished poet. So I think there, there, there are just extraordinary ways for us all to grow throughout life. Um, and uh, I just have, have had um, really an enjoyable time doing this on my show and bringing out folks uh, and bringing out the stories of folks who have done this and, and can model just for both for me and for you in terms of uh, what is possible in life. So uh, we're coming into the conclusion of my show. Uh, I, I have lots more to say and I will in, in future shows. I'm hoping very much that I will have a second anniversary in a year from now. And I, I have no doubt that I will. But uh, I just wanted to mention as we close today, if you have questions or comments from me or suggestions for future shows or topics you want me to cover, um, you could always email me at ron.roel, R-O-E-L, at gmail.com. Um, you could look at um, not only my retirementality quiz, but other um, episodes uh, on my website, roelresources.com or you could reach me on Facebook and LinkedIn. And uh, you could tell folks, uh, uh, tell other folks if they've missed my show, my podcast today, you can listen to it on voiceamerica.com uh, in, in the episode directory, archive on the right, uh, on the 45 forward page. You can also find it on Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, our, our radio. Um, and uh, uh as I said before, or you can find also episodes uh, and, and also more information about my guests on my website, uh, uh, roelresources.com. So folks, um, be sure to join me next Monday, 12 noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern time, when I'll be talking with Daphna Adler. She's a terrific interior designer who's elevated the principles of university design and aging place to living in place for those of us who are aging as younger olders. Until then, folks, keep moving forward, 45 forward. Thank you for tuning in to 45 Forward. Please join your host, Ron Roel, for another great show next Monday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We wish you a great week. <laughs>